there was a comment from a woman I went to church with. Um, and she said, you know, I always see you joking about this online. And I wanted to say I'm sorry because I've always seen this, laughed at it, liked the statuses, whatever. But I've never prayed for you. Like, this is something that you should be being healed from, and I've never bothered to actually do anything about it. So I'm going to pray for you. And she listed this whole prayer. And the exact time that she posted that comment was the exact time I fell asleep. And I have never struggled with insomnia. Beyond, like, unless I am chugging coffee at, like, 9 o'clock at night, I can fall asleep in moments now. And I remember thinking, I have never seen physical healing in my life like that, which is such like a weird, random thing. But I remember sitting in college and going, yeah, there's no other explanation for that one. Um, but now I'm in a place in my life where I need a whole another level of physical healing. Um, I haven't really been ready to speak very much about it, and I'm still not beyond what I'm probably going to say now. Uh, but I am trying to get answers for something doctors have never seen before, they have no name for, they have no treatment for, they got no cure for. And while it certainly isn't going to kill me, it's not going to make my life any sort of bearable at all. And a few years back, God started having me fall in love with the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And I actually did an offering message about it, and I made the joke of, why would you ever have me care about the story? I am not a woman, literally cannot have this issue with the blood. Why do you have me care? And now I know. Because that woman had spent everything she had on every physician, and none of them had made her any better. They'd only made it worse. But when Jesus came, she said, all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment, the very brim, the fringe of who he is, and I will be healed. That's the kind of faith I want us all to have this morning. Whether it's depression or abandonment or sickness, whether you need a new job, whether you are broke, whether your family is torn apart right now, there's a hem of his garment and it is flowing around this room as we worship today. I'm gonna grab a hold of it, because I need it. Shayla needs it, Margo needs it, Tim needs it, Chrissy, we need it up here. And I bet good money that you do too, in one way or another. So today as we're praising, praising him for what he's already done, we're gonna believe in faith, that when we touch the hem of that garment, we will be healed. Let's worship together this morning. Not forsaken, never alone. The God of heaven calls me his own. He's not just seated upon the throne. I know he's right here inside my home. I've got a treasure here in my heart. And in my weakness, it won't depart. I have a Savior who will abide. 
He's not just with me, he lives inside. Just go ask Daniel if our God will bring you out, and he will testify. He shuts the lion's mouth. Go ask those Hebrew boys if he'll stick by your side. They will identify the fourth man in the fight. They'll tell you, oh, oh, he's in the he was back then, he's here right now. Oh, he's in the room. Yeah, yes. I got a treasure here in my heart. And in my weakness, it won't depart. I have a Savior who will abide. He's not just with me. He lives inside. So go ask Daniel if our God will bring you up and he will testify. He shuts the lion's mouth. Go ask those Hebrew boys if he'll stick by your side. They will identify the fourth man in the fire. They'll tell you the heavens high. He's there. If I search the earth below, if I make my bed in hell, He's there. no matter where I go, He's there. where can I run from His spirit? He's there. Where can I go from His presence? He's there. Even in the deepest depths, He's there. no matter where I go, He's there. If I make my bed in hell, if I search the earth below, He's there. if I make my bed in hell, He's there. no matter where I go, He's there. where can I run from His spirit? He's there. Where can I go from his presence no matter where I go no matter where I go if I search the heavens high if I search the earth below if I make my bed in hell no matter where I go where can I run from his spirit where can I go from his presence no matter where I go no matter where I go Oh, 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 oh,
when you think you're alone, when you think you're forsaken, he will prove himself he's here right now. He's in the room, right here in this room, right here in this room, right here in this room. He's in the room, he's in the room, he's in the room, he's in the room. He's in the room. But Jesus is in the room. He's in the room. But Jesus is in the room. You gotta get up, get up, get up. But Jesus is in the room. You gotta get up, get up, get up. But Jesus is in the room. You gotta get up, get up, get up. When Jesus is in the room, you gotta get up, get up, get up. Jesus is in the room. You gotta get up, 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 Take up your mat and walk. Take up your mat and walk. Faith has made you well. Faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. I saw you when you cried out to me. I heard you when you needed me. I saved you when you thought that I'd never be there. I swooped and I saved you. I rescued you. Would you trust me now? Would you trust me now? I will prove myself to a man to my people. won't you do
God, you are more than able, God, this morning. You are able and willing and wanting to move, God. So we align ourselves with what your will, your way, and what your want is for us, for this world, this place, this morning, God. When did I start to forget all of the great things you did? When did I throw away faith for the impossible? How did I start to believe you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? You are more than able. You are more than able. You are wanting and willing, Lord. You are more than able. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Anything is possible. Who am I to deny 
what the Lord can do. Anything is possible. Anything, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do one more time? Anything is possible. Everything, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Who am I to deny what the Lord will do? Who am I? To deny what the Lord will do. Who am I to deny what the Lord will do? What won't you do, Lord? What won't you do, Lord? What couldn't you do? Just a mustard seed. With just a mustard seed of faith. Just a little bit of trust. Just a little bit of trust. You're capable. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. There's so much more to the story You're not done with me yet. You're not done with me yet. You're not done with me more than 
Lord God, we give you glory and honor and power and praise, Lord God. Forgive us for the times, Daddy, that we stopped believing, that we put ourselves in the driver's seat, that that we said sickness and depression and anxiety had the last say, that lack had the victory, Lord God, that, that, that sorrow was the champion of our life. Daddy, only you and you alone. You're the victor of it all. If you overcame the grave, if you overcame sin and death and hell itself, there's nothing. Daddy, we say nothing. Jesus, there's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing you can't do in the name of Jesus. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. Church, what a dangerous prayer you just prayed. What a dangerous prayer you just prayed because you said, Lord God, we're not going to stop, Lord God. You're not done with me yet, Lord God. With all the faith in the room, what, 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 what can you do, Lord God? There's so, there's so much more. Come on, sometimes we got to speak to our soul and say, soul, God's not done with me yet, and soul, I'm not done with God yet. Woo! He's come to bind up the brokenhearted. He's come to, he's come to heal the sick and to, to, to let the lame walk again, to, to set free those who are in oppression in the name of Jesus, to watch the chains fall off. So my friends, we're going to do something just here in this moment because he's in this room. The life giver's in this room. The healer of the woman with the issue of blood is in this room. The the one who spoke to blind Bartimaeus and he saw. The one who actually touched the side of the coffin and the boy lived. The the, the one who actually uh, uh, took the bread and the fish and multiplied it to feed the thousands. The one who walked on the water and calmed the sea and the storm. It doesn't matter what we're going through because that one's in the room. Do you believe that? Do you, I mean, no, no, no. Do you have faith for that? So I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're trying to leave behind in 2023 and step into in 2024. But if you need healing, if you need a breakthrough, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, financial, relational, I'm just going to ask you, just lift up your hands around the room. Just say, God, here we are. I need it. I need physical breakthrough. I need financial breakthrough. I need it. I need Jesus. I need completion in my heart. I, I, I need to stop worrying about rejection and, and, and trying to seek acceptance. Come on, somebody. I, I need to not live by my truth, but his truth. Jesus, you see the heart of every hand. 
You know the life of every, every person embodied in this room. Daddy, you know those who are raising their hands in their living rooms and in their bedrooms because they're sick at home today. You see every need before there is a need, and you know you are the answer. So I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, by your stripes, whether it is med med medical, physical, financial, relational, emotional, I pray healing in the name of Jesus Christ. What you purchased on the cross, we say manifest in this place. By your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. By your grace and goodness, we stand. We're going to thank you. We're going to thank you because we know blind eyes are open right now. We know depression is fleeing. We know the provisions are on its way. We know you are Jehovah Rapha, you are Yahweh Yirah, my provider. You are Jehovah Shalom, the peace that passes all understanding. You are our sanctifier, our righteousness. You're the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus, come and be glorified. We thank you and we praise you because it's in you alone that we have our hope. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some glory? Hallelujah, Lord God, I thank you for life and answers and breakthrough in Jesus' name. Oh, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. La um, the last Sunday of 2023, Pastor Rick was doing offering and he said, you know, God just spoke to me about, he was talking about loving his wife and he said, God said, more in 24. And that just stuck with me and I know so often it's like we're thinking about yeah, more. I, I need more out of my job, and I need, I, need, I need more finance, and I need more of this, and I need more of that. Church, do you know the one thing that I'm praying for over this church, over your life, is that we, get, we fall more in love with Jesus in 24. Like, I'm not talking about be better people. I'm not talking about having better church services. I'm not saying, oh, I hope worship gets better. I hope more people serve on teams. I hope, we, I hope we're actually able to do more out of church. Yes, that's awesome. But the only way that that actually means anything is if we all fall more in love with Jesus. Less of us, more of Him. You want to know what 2024 should be about? Every day, Daddy, less of me, more of you. I'm, I'm so in the way of it all. Jesus, make it about you today. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for getting up and being here and making decisions to, to do everything you had to do to get into this place today. Especially if this is your first or second time. We know uh, that, that's always uh, challenging. Um, but So thank you. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you for coming to Connect Church. We pray that you consider making this your home. We say it all the time, but this isn't about a uh, church. isn't about a Sunday morning event. It's about learning to live life together, well together. That's what, that's what you heard up here. These guys saying, you know what? The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. That was done. And the word of testimony. Because you could say, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't lay in bed all day like Margot. All right, but you got something going on that you need Jesus for. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have people leaving me. Well, then you're the strangest individual on in the world. Or you're a liar. Or you're like, Jake, I don't, I don't have physical sickness right now. But you need a breakthrough. And what you heard, can I just say this? Because I grew up differently. What you heard was not a formula. 
What you heard was a connection to a person. When I'm depressed, I need Jesus. When I feel abandoned and rejected, I need to recognize Jesus is my answer. I, 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 oh. we, people used to ask me, and I used to do this, we used to preach series all the time, I'm like, here are the five principles, right, for, for, for peace. Do you know what the five principles for peace are? J-E-S-U-S. Give me, give me, what are the three patterns for a good life? G-O-D. Come on, right, that's it. Like, it's not that complicated. It's difficult. Because we are our own worst enemies. We can blame the devil all we want. The greatest force that keeps me at a distance from him is me. It's me. Less of me, John says. More of him. More in 24, less of me, more of him. I'm going to believe for breakthrough. Will you believe with me? Church, if, if this you call you this your home, will you pray that? Like, will you, will you dedicate yourself to praying that with me this year? Jesus, here's our one cry. Yes, we want all the other things, but that is the one cry. We want more of you. More of you. Less of us. I'm so glad that you are here today. Can we give a shout out to everybody on, online as well? Hey, we love you guys. We know, look, we know a lot. So many people, COVID, sickness, this, whatever this thing is that's going around that is of the devil. We're praying for you, believing for you as well. Hey, one of the things we do love here is our generations. You hear us talk about it all the time. We are incredibly blessed with two of the very best men, men, uh, men, a man and woman of God that I know. Kevin and Lisa. Dude, if you don't know them, if you are a parent and don't know them, you're missing out. If you're not a parent and don't know them, you're still missing out. So kiddos, can you follow uh, Pastor Kevin and Pastor Lisa out, out? Give them a hand, church, as they're going. And hey, as you're finding your seat, give somebody next to you a high five. Tell them it's really good, a fist pump. Tell them it's good to see them in church today. Love you, baby. Thank you for sharing that. That was brilliant. Thank you for staying. It's uh, likewise.
It's a question that we wanted to have, that we will continue to ask, because if you want to know what church, or at least what Connect Church is about, is that we want to help you become, take one step further into your, in your journey of discipleship. You know, Jesus didn't call us to be believers, he called us to be disciples of his, and and so that's one of the invitations that we have. And one of the ways that we do that, uh, discipling us in the word uh, so that we understand truth in today's world, uh, 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 discipling ourselves on how to worship, right? Inwardly, upwardly, outwardly. Discipling our, uh, learning how to be a disciple and working out our salvation. Not working to get it, but working it out, right? How do, how do we work out God's love and loving our community and loving our house and loving people in the world? How do we have grace and mercy and love in a world that is divided and filled with hate and injustice and, and, and frustration, all those things? So we can't do it alone. We need one another. And so that's what our discipleship groups are for. Um, for us, we call them, Jake mentioned them, our, our ladies' discipleship is shoulder to shoulder. Our men's discipleship group is called Forged. Um, they meet every week. We're going to start them not this week, but the following after next Sunday, because this uh, this week we are honoring the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, who uh, who was an example, such a great example of bringing love and, and 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 trying to change people and bringing hope into a world that was divided. You know, we think about that uh, our world is divided today, and it certainly is. Um, but uh, what, what what Dr. King did. Not even just 60 years ago, brought a healing bomb into a divided country. And I believe that there are men and women of God that are called to be healing bombs in our community as well. Um, and so we'll start those next, not this week, but next week. But you can find out more about those by going to uh, our, our QR code that um, uh, is all around here. You can check it out, you can sign up um, for. Uh, fours or shoulder to shoulder, it's, they're fantastic. It's fantastic. I want to help you be a better disciple. So, hey, are you ready for the word? No, 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 no. Are you ready for the word? Yeah. See, because last week I couldn't hear you, right? Last week I couldn't. Anybody, was anyone shouting inside the house last week? I, thank you, Tanya. Thank you. Yeah. I, see, if you were shouting in the house last week, then I need you shouting in this house this week. If you were in your like slippers last week running around the living room, then you can be in your boots today running around this room. Right? It's just, that's just the way it works. And you know why? It's, it's always funny. I'll get to the word in a second. Do you know why I, I, I really do encourage you? It's not just because I need feedback. It does make, by the way, it is an old saying, but it's true. Uh, you know, when you talk back to your preacher, your pastor, it actually... It, it, it helps. It helps them. It just does. It's weird. We, we're all flesh. We, we're all humans. All that. But the truth is, there's something about when we say yes to something outwardly that tells our soul inwardly to pay attention. There, it, there's the, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. We have learned in church to be quiet, which closes the door, come on, to receptivity to our heart and ear. So we've placed the onus to open those things up on everything external. Now God's able to do it. The Word's able to do it. But it would be so much easier, come on somebody, when we say yes to the Word. When we're saying, that's why, that's why uh, the Word of God says, uh, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He tells his soul to bless God because our soul doesn't want to do that on its own. 
All right. Hey, we're, we're in a, a, a new series. I got to get uh, to the word. We're, we're in a new, a new series called uh, That's the Question. That's the question because sometimes we have to ask ourselves, like when you're in a conversation, you're trying to figure out, you're getting to the bottom of something, you're like, oh, that's, that's really what it's about. And Jesus was asked a lot of questions that many times he didn't answer quite clearly, but we're going to talk about some of the ones that he did so that we can get to the bottom of actually how to walk this thing out. So since you brought your Bible today with you, why don't you open with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's written by the disciple Matthew, who uh, was a tax collector, right? He had a different life. Um, he met Jesus, and he, everything changed. So it doesn't matter where, where you started in life. The good news is that when you have an encounter with Jesus, everything can change. And so today, if you need a title for today's message, it's Who's the Goat? Who's the greatest of all time? See, it's a sports debate, right? Uh, it's a topic that's debated a lot in sports today. Like, who's the GOAT, right? Is it Tom Brady or Joe Montana? It's Montana. Uh, is it, right? Is, is, it, uh, is it MJ or LeBron? MJ. Is it, uh, come on, somebody. Is it, is it Babe Ruth or Tani? And in some of my circles right now, is it Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen? It's Hamilton, right? It's just the way that it works. And, and the debate usually revolves around uh, the various era, eras or competition that, uh, that, that they faced or the certain statistics um, that, that matter more than others. Because when we're trying to determine who the GOAT is, what we're really trying to do, we tend to place the highest value on the things that we see as the greatest value to us. It's our sense of what holds worth and significance that actually holds the focus of our attention. So what's, what statistics matter more, right? Uh, strikeouts or home runs, right? TD passes or, or, uh, or Super Bowl wins. What kind of, whatever matters the most to us is what we focus on the most. The issue is that this question actually creeps into our spiritual lives as well. Who's the greatest? How we determine our sense of worth and significance. What would make us great if we did these things? What, what, what would make God think that we're serious, that we're good people, that we're a good Christian, if we did these things and those things become the focus of our attention. The challenge with that is the same thing as the challenge of trying to figure out who the goat in sports is. That again, we start with what is the greatest sense of value to us? How do we see worth? How do we see significance? And there the trap is laid. In this text, the disciples are asking Jesus this question. They've been arguing amongst themselves who is the goat, right? As we commonly do in life, by the way, right? Who's a better Christian? Who's a better uh, parent? Who's a better worker? Who's a better singer? Uh, who, who's a, a better American in church? Who's the better prayer warrior, right? Who's the better worshiper? And we focus on whatever we believe gives us the most sense of worth and our most, is most significant to us that makes us better than someone else so that we can feel more like the goat than others. This is what they're wrestling with. And without hesitation, Jesus dismantles the trap. The truth is, however, my friends, that this conversation is rarely takes place outwardly. But it constantly takes place inwardly 
when our soul is trying to figure out how to make sure that our life is worthy and significant. And we begin to try to figure out what is significance and worth to me. And the trap ensnares us all. But the good news is if we wrestle with this, there's an answer. Here's the answer in Matthew 1, 18, uh, verse 1. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Before we go any further, first, just underline enter the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus actually is bringing it back. He says, come on, before we go any further, let's actually get the attention on what the attention is supposed to be on, which is God's kingdom. And he's not giving us a key, the way to enter into heaven. And this isn't the way just to enter into heaven. you got to be like a child. That's true. Like we have to have childlike faith. We have to realize there's nothing inside of us uh, that can get us into heaven. We have to be dependent on our Father for that. But he's also addressing his disciples who already believed and already followed, but were missing the big picture in this moment. Come on, just a few hours before, if you, if you flip the page back, a few hours before, they, they couldn't even muster up the power in themselves to actually heal the little boy who had seizures, right? We had talked about this before. He had seizures. They couldn't heal him. And now they had the gall to come and ask Jesus, even in the midst of our failure, hey, Jesus, which one of us is the goat? And Jesus says, none of y'all. He brings a little child over there and says, this one is more powerful than all of you because he understands it's not about him. The issue for us, I think, as Christians is when we look at this word before we even dive deeper is that the Greek word for enter there means to take legal possession or legal position, to have legal authority in the kingdom of God. He says, if you want to have legal authority in the kingdom of God, there's something that has to happen in you. It's the same word, by the way, that's translated in Ezekiel 43 when it says that the, 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 the temple was built and then God's spirit entered the temple. There was a temple, there was a structure, but it didn't have power yet. It's the same verse in the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37 that says there was a body that had responded to the word, come on, but then the spirit, the breath of God entered it and then there was power and that there was life. See, what Jesus is saying is we can have the right temple and the right lifestyle, but still not walk or enter into the legal power of the kingdom of God, still not have the legal authority of God because we are trying to elevate the wrong king us how do i become a better the best a good fill in the blank this is a serious issue i think for us in american christianity where we are at the center of it all I know we sing, Jesus, you're at the center of it all, but it's not true. We have created a culture where, where we are not God's servant, where God is our servant. And I know for me, I, I, I struggle with this because I, 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 I battle with this. And maybe you don't battle with it, or maybe some of you do. I battle with this, 
that this life isn't about me. And I have learned through Christianity to weave in the theological spiritualization to make it sound like it's actually about Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. But at the core of it, still about elevating Kyle. So when Jesus brings this answer out, it seems so easy. Just be like a child. Sometimes you're like, just shut up. But the issue is, this question can only begin to be answered by honestly answering the question, what kingdom? Who is the greatest in what kingdom? See, it's easy to move on to verse 2 in this text, isn't it? Right? Without us ever wrestling with the question honestly inside of ourselves. What kingdom? Because maybe you don't feel like, well, I don't really need to be the goat. I just need to be good enough. Yep, but the question still remains, in what kingdom? In the kingdom of my business world? The kingdom of my career? The kingdom of family? The kingdom of make money, 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 make money! The kingdom of being accepted? The kingdom of my truth? The kingdom of church? Right? You know, you know the church people, that we don't need street cred, we need church cred. You know those kind of people? Like you're like, hey man, what do you think about the Eagles game tomorrow night? And they're like, well, in Obadiah 2. And you're like, Obadiah? I thought Jalen Hurts was number two. I didn't even know Obadiah. Come on, the reality is this is something we all wrestle with. Stay with me. This is what our soul will do because it's subtle and sneaky and fallen. We will seek most passionately the kingdom we believe serves our interests most diligently. We will seek the kingdom most passionately we believe will serve our interests the most diligently. And our pursuit is established at the point where our priorities collide with our perceptions. Whatever we perceive will make us most worthy or most significant or most accepted or most thought of, we will make our highest priority despite our theology and pursue it most passionately. That's what's going on here. You're not alone. The 12 with Jesus were doing the same thing. Jesus was very clear what the kingdom of God was and was not. Matter of fact, he just showed them. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He showed them. He was like, oh, I'm God, right? They're wigged out. He then says, by the way, I'm going to die and resurrect myself. It's going to be pretty awesome. But that was not the kingdom they were seeking. It was not the kingdom that their culture told them was most important and part of the reason why they followed Jesus. Because the culture, the kingdom they were looking for was a kingdom where the Messiah would throw out the Romans, would develop an empire where all the world would come under it and they would help him rule it. So they were asking him how to be the greatest in the wrong kingdom. How many of us are asking God how to make us great in the wrong kingdom? But their culture told them it was the right kingdom. The religious culture, the church, their church world told them it was the right kingdom. Their feelings told them it was the right kingdom. Their heritage told them the right ki- it was the right kingdom. But the issue was it was not the kingdom of the king. Do you know what I found interesting? I was sharing with Danielle this week that I, I saw a recent poll of American Christians and uh, the top three favorite verses 
of American Christians today in American church. Outside of John 3.16, because everybody knows John 3.16, even if you're not in church. Here are the top three verses, favorite verses. Philippians 4.13, I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Of course, the context of that is to be in lack and oppression and in prison. Come on, somebody. We just throw that out. The second verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans God has for me to give me a future and prosperity in my life. That's awesome, except for the future that Jeremiah had was that his nation collapsed, his, his generation lived in immorality, and he spent most of his days crying. He's known as the weeping prophet. He writes an entire book called Lamentations. His diary is called Sorrow. The third most favorite verse, Romans 8, 28. God will work all things together for my good. doesn't say that. It says for good. And then we forget the end of that that says for those who are in love with him and actually walk out their life according to his purpose. So what do all three of these verses have in common? They are verses that serve our own self-interests most diligently. Plus, then we add on top of it, like things like Psalm 37, 14 that says, well, God wants to give me the desires of my heart. Mm, start that verse. Del for those who delight themselves in the Lord, we just throw that out. And once again, the enemy uses God's word to lay a trap for God's people. Why again? Because it started in Genesis 3.1. The original sin is this. Satan didn't even need to change the word. He simply said, did God really say? Here's the truth. What God said was true then, and it is true now. But the issue is what Eve believed it meant for her, not what it meant to God. The issue was when she heard the word, she filtered it through what it meant to her, not what her obedience or disobedience would have meant to God. Welcome American church Christianity. The truth is she was already in God's kingdom, but she still sought satisfaction from the kingdom she, she, she truly believed held what she would desire most, the trap of the what kingdom question. And all of us have a voice inside of us that is saying, look at what our self could have if we simply sought out what we believe could make us better. And better becomes our perception. And our perception, come on, shapes our priorities and our pursuits regardless of our theology and our truth. Then if we're really good enough Christians, we find theology and truth to fit our perceptions and priorities. I think if I'm honest, and I think if we're honest, the church has felt like we've had to highlight these verses to make the kingdom of God or the church worth it to people. Because we, pastors, we want to build church. We want to make sure that people come to church. And we know that we've got a lot going on to, you know, like there's a lot of other options. So we feel like we have to sell this thing to you. It's why many of you have felt like pastors are good salesmen or that you just heard a good TED talk because we feel like we have to sell why it's worth 
you coming to God. On top of that, we in the church have gotten to a place where our soul has trained us to connect to those types of sermons, principles, and patterns. So it seems to work out for the pastors and the people. Until, until, until life shows up. Until sickness smacks you in the face. Until that promise doesn't work out the way you wanted to work out, when you wanted to work out, the way you wanted to work out, and the timing you wanted to work out. And you're like, what's up with that? It's a trap. This kind of life teaches us to seek the goodness of God rather than the God who is good. How many have come to church, come to, church to say, tell me how my life can be better? Tell me how my life can be better. I'll tell you how your life can be better. By not seeking the goodness of God, but seeking the God who is good. This is why Jesus tells us the question of what kingdom is answered in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all this other stuff, it has its place, no doubt. I care about that too but we can't get this boat out of order. I think the challenge in our modern world is that inside the church, believers have been taught to seek to be first in the kingdom of worth, but disciples seek the kingdom of God. But disciples seek first the kingdom of God. This is what they were wrestling out here in this text. And what makes it murky for us, even today, and for them, is that it was all around the kingdom of God, right? As believers, we're not trying to throw God out, right, and, and overtake the world. Our soul and, our, and the enemy is much more subtle than that. It does it all around the kingdom of God. Like, that's actually what happens with Jesus in Matthew 4. The enemy takes him out into the wilderness to tempt him. He actually takes him up. Do you remember this? He takes him up to the pinnacle of uh, the, the temple, and he says, uh, Hey, Jesus, uh, prove yourself. Show yourself. The word says, God's word says, if you throw yourself off, the angels will catch you. Go ahead and do it. You're just following the word. Mm. By the way, do you know where he took him? He took him to the spot where priests used to come out with a trumpet and blow the trumpet to call people to worship or for war. That's where the enemy took him. He's actually taking Jesus up to the top and say, blow your own trumpet, Jesus. Blow your own horn. Tell everyone, go ahead and jump. Be the first to jump and not die. Wrong kingdom. God's word wasn't wrong, but it was serving the, come on somebody. God's word was not wrong, but the filter brought about the wrong kingdom. Come on, I get this. I got to be honest. I get this. Like, I like to be first. Anybody else like to be first? Carrie, you like to be first. I know. She carries. And, and all the rest of you are liars. Like, I don't care. I don't mind being last. Yes, you do. Right? All of us. I like to be like, I don't play games that I don't think I can win. Like, you will never see me trying out for American Idol. Come on, somebody. I will never be on Dances with the Stars. Nobody wants to see that. But you were like, you want to go throw the ball? Yeah, but I can still spin it. Right? And when it comes to church, my soul is way more subtle than that. Come on, Kyle. Seek first the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God turned into the kingdom of church. Because they're the same thing, aren't they? Come on, Kyle, it's the same thing. Just build church, you're building the kingdom. I can do that. 
I can win at that. I might not be T.D. Jakes or Stephen Furtick, but I can do pretty well at that. And God would be so happy with me if I just built the church. Go ahead, Kyle, blow the trumpet. Jump. You can win it. And I did. Wrong kingdom. If it elevates the wrong king, then it is the wrong kingdom. If it elevates the wrong king, it's the wrong kingdom. The reality is, my friends, his disciples had great examples of this in the Old Testament. They had kingdom-positioned people who had life in the kingdom but did not necessarily have a kingdom life. And they're the same things that tempt you and I today. This is why Jesus was not doing this blindly. He knew they understood kingdom life. They understood it because they had a kingdom called the kingdom of Saul. Saul was a child of popularity. He was chosen by the people. He would have won the People's Choice Award, right? He's, he's, he's Saul. But the issue was that King Saul was establishing a kingdom that had God's name attached to it, but did not have God's heart within it. How many? For me, this is my life early on in church. Had all sorts of structure. It had the laws, the rules. It had some victories. It had the priests, the worshipers, and the sacrifice. But Saul did not have God's name attached to it. So when it came down to it, God saw through it because his heart was not at the center of it. One of my favorite episodes of Friends is the episode where Joey puts on all of Chandler's clothes. And he comes in and he's like, could I be wearing any more clothes? Right? I love that episode. Because I need to let you know, I was not confused that this was not Joey. I didn't, I didn't go, oh, is that Chandler? Just because he was wearing all of Chandler's clothes, I didn't think that he was Chandler. Because at the core of it was still Joey. You and I can wear all the Christianity we want. We can wear all the good deeds and all the good works and have all the good Christian language. And I'm blessed by the best and praise God and oh Jesus. And at the core of it, it's still us. That's the issue here. That's why Jesus, just a few chapters before this in Matthew 15, says, man, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This, is, this can easily happen to us when Jesus is just one of our friends and not the only one setting the course we're following. The danger is Saul's drive to keep his kingdom his way drove him to be led by his insecurities, his emotions, his feelings, his soul, his truth, and not even be able to identify the difference between an enemy and a friend. David's trying to help him in church, and he thinks he's an enemy because he's calling him on his issues. He starts throwing spears at him, and ultimately it allowed him to live with the right structure but the wrong spirit. This kind of life enables us in the church to live with the right structure, but the wrong spirit. What kingdom? There was a kingdom called Absalom. Absalom was the child of David. He was a child of entitlement, a child that was born to reign. He said, I have the right. I know better than my dad. I can do it better than my dad can do it. I should tell my dad how it should be done. So much so that he would get up early in the morning, 2 Samuel 15, he'd go to the city gate. When people would come to see his dad, he'd say, my dad's too busy for you. My dad doesn't have time for you. Let me be your answer. 
You don't need to go to God. Let me be your answer. You don't have to go. Let me be your fix. I'll take care of it for you. And Absalom was establishing his own kingdom based on his own claim of being a child of the king, but did not honor the king or the king's kingdom in the way he was living it. Come on, this is a trap. We can try to use our position with our dad, our father, to advance our own situation. And like Absalom, we can feel entitled to it because after all, we are born as sons and daughters of the king. As so, look at all the verses. Oh my gosh, look what we should be able to do because we're sons and daughters of the king. And it's true. God had positioned Absalom for it. God had blessed him with it. But Absalom saw it as his right what was due to him, rather than God's grace and favor upon him. The true issue, my friends, is that when we are trying to build this kingdom, Absalom wanted something from the king that he wasn't willing to give the king, which was honor. He wanted honor from the king because he was due it, but he wasn't willing to give it before he got it. Do you realize that the Word of God talks about almost 150 times about honor? Most of them are about honoring God, honoring God with our life, honoring God with our, our wealth, honoring God with the first, our first fruits, honoring the Father, honoring the Son, right? Uh, uh, honoring uh, with obedience. Revelation talks about the angels crying out, praise and honor and glory and power will be forever and ever. Honor, honor, honor. And here's the truth. The kingdom that we choose to serve on a daily basis will be the king that we honor with our life. Whatever kingdom we are trying to serve, build, get worth from, significance from, will be the king that we honor. We can say, I want to honor God with everything I've got. But whatever kingdom we're serving, that's whose king will be honored. Seek first the kingdom of God and its king, Jesus. The reality is this is a trap which is especially dangerous, I think, in our entitlement generation and when mixed with this gospel that we've been focusing on where it focuses on all that we get from God for being a Christian. Because that kind of focus can just feed and rise, raise up this absolute spirit that can be inside of all of us. How many of us remember, maybe you never did it, but do you remember the first time that you told your parent or the person who raised you, um, I don't need to listen to you, I'm an adult now. Maybe, right, you're probably like 16 or 17. Maybe you're a parent in here and you've just heard that from your 16 or 17-year-old because you thought that you knew everything in the world, right? We had the right to make our own decisions, come home whenever we want because after all, I've got a part-time job now. I've got a driver's license, right? And your mama just looked at you with that smile like, boy, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. I made you. I'll make another one looks just like you, Right? See, this spirit is dangerous in the natural and the spiritual. The spiritual swagger that we get when we get a little gifting or a little maturity or know a little bit more of the word than someone else or we've been around church or we get to be a deacon or we've been asked to be an elder or we're on stage now or we took the offering. The spiritual swagger that we get, come on somebody, when we get a little coin in our pocket makes us forget whose house we were in when we got it. He's still paying the bills. He's still. You can do what you want when it ain't your house. 
Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride cometh before a fall. But entitlement is pride disguised as a birthright. Entitlement is pride, but it's my birthright. It's due me. No, 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 no. I am blessed by my Father. I am due nothing but death. Everything he gives me I should be thankful for. Can I tell you something interesting about Absalom that might apply to us as well if we're not careful? See, the thing about Absalom is that Absalom grew up with the king in the palace. Now for us, some of us grew up around Jesus in the church. But he, did, he came to a point where he disagreed with the way that his father treated his brother Amnon. He didn't like it. So he took matters in his own hand and he killed his brother Amnon. Not like any Christian has ever taken out another Christian. Then he fled. He fled to his mama's kingdom. Mama's boy. He goes to Geser because Geser, his mom was the prince of Geser. But listen to me, Geser means the place of pride. He hid out for three years in the place of his pride, the place that was his right because it was his mama's house. I've got the right to be here. I've got the right to be offended. i got the right to, to, to be this way. I, you don't know what they did. You don't know how daddy didn't show up for me. You don't know why. You don't know what happened. I'm going to stay in my mama's house. It's my birthright to stay in my pride. Instead of going back to the kingdom of God and asking for forgiveness, his mama's palace became his pig pen. How many times does our palace of pride become our pig pen? But get this, this is what gets me. After David shows him grace and welcomes him back, he still rebels against him. He still tries to take his kingdom because he thinks it's rightfully his. He received grace for something that should have brought him death, like fratricide was penalty by death. And his response was now to choose himself over the king who gave him grace. My friends, entitlement runs deep especially for those of us who grew up in the palace. Entitlement runs deep, especially for those of us who grew up in the palace. Because I've been, I've known, I've done, I've served, I've sacrificed, I've given, I've lost, I've hurt, I've cried, I've prayed. Entitlement runs deep. And the palace of my mama will become my pig pen that keeps me from my father if I ain't careful. But then, and we're going to wrap up in a minute or two, but then there's the kingdom of David, the kingdom of a child. The kingdom of a child. He was a child after God's own heart. That's what the Bible says. When God chose a king, he chose a boy. Not the BMOC like Saul. Not a, a son born in the palace like Absalom. Just a mere boy, probably around 13 when he gets anointed by Samuel. But why does he choose him? Because of one quality and one quality only. He had a heart towards God. I think it's so wonderful. What I think is so wonderful about David is that he didn't always get it right. Right? He wasn't perfect. He made some bad choices. He was human. And the good news, I see, I can relate to that. So what makes him special? His heart was towards God. He wanted to please his father. His priority was to pursue a relationship with his dad. 
even when he screwed it up. Man, I got that, man. I screw this thing up all the time. And one of two voices will rise up. Go to Gesser or run to Daddy. Stay with Mommy. Let her kiss your wounds. Or go to Daddy and let him help change you. Because when he messed up, he repented. He turned around. He walked a different way. He closed the gap between himself and his daddy, right? He was willing to humble himself before God's conviction and toward God's correction and change. Isn't this the key in what Jesus says that it will help us enter into the, the authority, enter into the possession, enter into the power of the kingdom of God to convert and be humble? The truth is we don't need just childlike faith. We need childlike dependence, knowing that there's nothing in us that can take care of us. We got nothing. That Greek word for to, uh, to convert means to repent, to change direction, to walk in the opposite way. But the issue is we will only stay in the converted state as long as we value the most. What we value the most is the converted destination, which is intimacy with Jesus. It's why he calls the little child and puts him on his lap. He's saying, you want to know what the most important thing in the kingdom of God is? No fear between me and you. Come and sit on my lap. I'm not going to spank you. I'm not going to throw you out. I'm not going to hit you. I may correct you. I may encourage you. I may bring about change in you. But there is always, there should never be space between you and I. Jesus shows us the key is found in humbling ourselves to lower the importance on self. It's not just not, it's not just about not making it about us. It's about making it about him. In the parable of John chapter 10, we see the need to change our perception from the me to pleasing the me to pleasing the thee. Not pleasing me, but pleasing thee. That's where worth and significance is found. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that there are some, there, there's a wolf that comes into the sheep pen. And the hired shepherds run, but the sons stay. The sons stay. He shows the difference between what is best for me and what is best for my father and his sheep. Same danger, different response. Believer, disciple. Because the reality is it's not doing life for the kingdom. It's doing life following the king. Jesus says in Matthew 20, 28, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Give my life away. In answer to this question in Mark chapter 9, verse 35, he said, you want to be the greatest, be the last. You want to be the best, be a servant of everybody else. David had to leave his life, go against his wife, watch his back for the knife, and constantly deal with strife. But he was able to handle it all because he kept his heart toward God first. When we value the grace giver more than the grace we received, we will find ourselves serving him and what he values more than what he can give us and do for us. Jim Elliott, one of my spiritual heroes of faith, is a missionary who took the, to Ecuador who took the word to a tribe that had never heard about Jesus. To make the story short, he was crossing the river to take the word to the native, to the native uh, population there. Someone on the other bank threw a spear and 
went through his chest and it killed him. Sounds like such a tragedy. But right before he went on that walk, as he crossed the river, Jim Elliott wrote this in his diary, knowing that he could die. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. To be the goat, we must live like a sheep. And to be a sheep, we must live for the glory of our shepherd. Who is the goat? Forever, there is only one answer, Jesus. It's not just not about us, it's all about him. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6.20, you were bought at a price. Now honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. Every day we make a choice. What kingdom? Today, you've started to make a choice. You made a good choice already. What kingdom? But what choice will you make? What choice will have your priorities? What will shape your perspective? And what will you pursue? There's only one question, answer to this question. Who is the greatest of all time? It ain't Brady, Montana, Belichick, Shula, Babe Ruth, Lewis Hamilton. It's Jesus. Amen. That's it. Amen. I don't want to be Joey in Chandler's clothes. I want to be a sheep surrounded by my shepherd. That's all I got. Your choice. 2020, you want to make a real New Year's resolution? There we have it. Your choice. Your choice. Let's pray. I don't know where you found yourself in the sermon today. Maybe you didn't find yourself anywhere. I pray that the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and opens your heart today. But if at any time you found yourself in any of those kingdoms other than David's, if you found yourself in any one of those opportunities where we are, the answer to that question of what kingdom is still my kingdom, God, I want to do it for you. I want to honor you by doing it. Whatever caveat we want to put on the end of that, the answer is still my kingdom. Can I invite you to take a moment? We're just going to pray quietly, and then I'm going to pray for us. But if you find yourself in that, can you do what David did and just repent? Say, God, I'm sorry. Change me. Repent. Name it. Say that thing. Don't be embarrassed. Say it. God, I made church my God. I, I made making sure that I could be the most valuable at my job or thought of as the best parent. I got my worth and my significance from X, Y, Z. Just name it. Just say, just tell it. It's not going to have power now. 
With your mouth, life and death. You have no power. You have no power. You have no power. I submit you to Jesus. I submit you to Jesus. I submit you to Jesus. I'm not letting anything stand in the way of Jesus. I'm coming to your lap, Jesus. Thank you for opening the door to close the gap, Jesus. Today's your day just to give your heart to Jesus. And it's so easy. It's so easy. If you've been living in your palace of pride, can I encourage you to come home again? If you've been trying to get there on your own, can I encourage you to come home today to Jesus? Humble yourself like a child and just say, I don't have anything in me that can take care of me. I need God. The Bible tells us that he is actually ready to run to you when you turn to him. God is not making you run to him. He is running to you, but he does need the invitation to come. So if you're here today, no matter where you are with God, you find yourself at a distance from him. We're all going to pray, but I'm going to ask you just to do some business with God on your own as well. And pray this from the bottom of your heart. Just pray with me. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you all my life. I'm holding nothing back. I recognize I have served my own kingdom for too long. So today, I'm asking your forgiveness. Cleanse me. Heal me. Set me free. Make me whole. Today, Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. All that I am, all that I have, all that I ever will be, I give to you. I'm choosing now and forevermore to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness above everything else for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some glory, Lord? Thank you for healing and setting us free and breaking free from chains. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you let me share my journey of faith with you today. I'm going to ask you to pray for me for this journey. And I'm going to covenant with you that I'm going to pray for you for this journey. Because this is the thing that will keep us more of me and less of him. Hey, before we leave, I want to do one last thing. It's a part of worship. And I want to thank Shayla and Jake and Margo for being honest today and just laying it out. Like there's something about when you start with truth and honesty and authenticity that gives us room to be that way. I was taught as a pastor to never tell bad stories about yourself because you want your church to believe that you've got it together. That's what I was taught in seminary. That's ludicrous. I'm as broken. I'm as messed up as everyone in this room. 
I need the same Savior you do. I didn't just need him. I need him. Now, I'm not dealing with the same things I dealt with 30 years ago. Come on, somebody. When I first came, hooking up with every girl around. Come on. I ain't de- Don't worry. I ain't dealing with that. But, man, when you start peeling away the onion, the core still stinks. Everything that is not laid down at the foot of the cross, ain't nothing wrong with it because it draws me to his lap. Jesus, is there room on the knee for me? I told Jake when he was little, there'll always be room on my lap for him. There will always be room on my lap for him. He's 27, still comes home at night, runs in, gives me hugs, room on the lap. Good days, bad days, there's room on the lap. There's room on the lap. You know, we said, the Bible says, because you were bought at a price, honor the Lord with your life. Part of honoring the Lord with your life is with your resource, your money, your time, your skills, your talent. And this is one of those times right here, right now, an offering that we get to worship him with part of our life, which is just the part that he already gave us, which is finance. And I know it's so easy for us in these moments to think, well, see, church is about money, but the, church, the truth is, no, money is something that we value. And when we give value to God, we are honoring God with something we value to tell him that we, he, we value him in the way that he valued us. We cannot be like Absalom and expect honor from the king when we do not give first honor to the king. Now, whether you tithe or you don't tithe, that's between you and God. But I will encourage you, there's honor in giving to God. There's honor in it, and it's a part of worship. So there's envelopes there on the tables. You can fill those out. You can put those in the gold kiosks in a minute as we end service. There's QR codes up on the screen. You can go to that. You can go to CCB. You guys know how to do it. If you don't, you can go to any of the QR codes around the building and click on those. They'll help you there as well. But when you give, whether it's online, in an envelope, on a cell phone, you give with faith. You give with faith. Can we stand together? I'm going to pray over you and we're going to go. Do you have anything? Do you have anything? <laughs> There's no pressure. I just, there was just a. No, I've been fighting with God for like 25 minutes. So. Good. 25 minutes is Does good. Anybody I'll else, like, I need a nap. <laughs> After, <laughs> sometimes you fight and this is a ring. Then you're, yeah. you're like, and it's, I don't know if it's me and just my soul, me, this, my soul, the enemy, me and you. Because <laughs> you're the one that's the mouthpiece up here. <laughs> but, Why you got to be mad at me? I was <laughs> <laughs> but this is just something I felt, I said, okay, God, if he brings me up there today, then this is for sure something that you wanted me to share. So about 15 years ago, our, we were in the 
hardest season of our life. And we were about to go into the hardest season of our life. And we were at this conference. There was (laughs) thousands of people there. And just my my cup of tea, like, right? And when you're yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're right? and when you're going through something so hard, like the last thing you want to do is like sometimes be in church. Yeah. On Sunday morning. And we were like second row, yeah. right in the middle. Every just everything Danielle does. Danielle loves. Like. So there's a man that's very very known, very very beloved, um, and very anointed man of God, and he is. He's preaching. And I had not known him, not met him, and I leaned over to Kyle and I said, who is this man? He has Jesus eyes. And all I knew is that the whole time, I couldn't tell you one thing that he said, but it was just like the essence of Jesus was coming out of this man. And then it's, and, and it was so unnerving that I leaned like halfway over through it to Kyle and I said, and this was just the most bizarre thing to say, but I, this is what happened. And I said, I think he has a word for me. And now he was not giving words out. This was not that right, kind right. of, okay, okay right. this is not what's happening. So he's preaching. And so we get to the end, and he calls Kyle forward to give him a word. And I was like, oh, I was, all right, I sort of... I, I sort, of, I sort of got it, but it was just him. So he called him forward. I stayed in my seat. He called him forward, and he said, um, from this time on, you will not build a successful church any longer. You will be a man of significance, and you will build a church of significance. And that's the only word that you have to keep in front of you, and it's the only thing that you have to stay faithful to, and it's what God's going to do. It's going to be a church of significance. And this sounds beautiful, except when you want to hear that God is going to give you some success in the hardest time of your life because of what he was talking about before you start figuring out what's the definition. You know, when you say significance... Is there an element of success to that? <laughs> As like, what does that mean? And so, and so we get done. We go upstairs where everybody is, but we're not with anyone. And so we're, we have to wait till the end of it. So we wait, and it was like two hours or something. And uh, the, I, the person said that uh, the Kyle, they, he wants to see Kyle. So... Kyle's like, well, let's go. So we walk in, and he looks at us, and he goes to me, you're with him? And I said, yeah. And he said, and, and he's with you? <laughs> I said, yeah. And he said to the pastor that was hosting the conference, I had a word for her in the middle of the service, but I didn't know if it would be permissible. Yeah. Like, because I don't, and he, and he said, you know, I, you've I known me this. 20 years. You've never yeah. seen me do that. And so he suddenly (laughs) laid hands on us and prayed for us like I have never been prayed for. And I could never do it again. But I literally, in one fell swoop, (laughs) my body bent in half. And I was looking at my shins, (laughs) which I can't physically do. (laughs) But it was a power of God moment. And the reason I tell you about that 
is that we carry that every single day. We talk about that every single day because it was not that man. It was God calling us to be faithful to creating a house that would be committed to significance, meaning intimacy with Jesus, not American church. Yeah. And it has cost us. Oh, how it has cost us. And it doesn't look like what we were used to yeah. or even what we would want sometimes yeah. and all of, the, all of the tips and tricks that you can do in church and all of that. He was like, strip it away. Strip it away because that's successful, but that's not significance. And it wasn't about like the service being significant. It was about you cannot help people become significant within their world, their being, if you are out here trying to be successful. And it has centered us. It has caused us to repent. It has caused us to refocus, move, change, shift. But it took, it took, for me, it took years of success in the world's eyes. And then a pandemic for God to get my attention, Mm -hmm. to bring it back to what true significance was. Yeah. Because it's easy to redefine that word, significance. Yeah. When I get to build the kingdom of church for God. When the, when the church that surrounds you and the church world that you're in and the people that you know and the friends that you have are all defining the same word differently. It is a very large test of your conviction, your adherence to what you think you really believe God said, and your spiritual integrity. And that's why I'm so thankful that God is so quick to forgive us when we have to repent. We've repented publicly. We will repent any moment on this platform when we realize we've veered two degrees is two degrees too much. And we do it at home and we'll be like, wait, well, then let's just repent. Let's pray. And we don't treat it casually. We we treat it as if it's very near to us. It's available. It's available to us. So I say all that to say to you, church, that... that today this kind of message is not to help create you be successful we purposely gave that up forever this is about helping us become significant because everything is going to rise and fall on your intimacy with Jesus in the days ahead everything Everything. is going to rise and fall on your intimacy with God so can I pray yeah please God, I trust you. Yes, Lord. I trust you because you've shown me that I can trust you, God. Yes, you've always been faithful, but you knew how I work, and you decided to show me that I could trust you. And I thank you, God, that you do that for each and every person in this room. Even if we should know better, even if we've been walking for a certain amount of time, like, I should have this together, God. Thank you for not having a problem showing yourself faithful, showing yourself strong, showing showing yourself mighty, showing yourself powerful, forgiving, all-knowing, all-consuming. God, I thank you that you don't just show us the stuff that we think we need, but you show us who who you are. And I need to remember who you are, God. And help me not to forget who you are. 
And I pray, God, that as we lead this church, that you would sear your definition of significance upon us, God. No matter the cost to it, Lord, help us count that cost and then let us choose you every Every single time time and not slap a sticker with your name on it, but truly choose your face, God. Yes, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for every person that chose to come today and to listen today. That's important to you, and so it's important to us. I thank you, Father, for sisters and brothers that fill this space. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. We love you. We'll see you next week. Go birds. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come.